Good morning. Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, are you ready? Uh, because it is getting close now. Uh, it is almost Christmas Day. We're at T-minus three days. And I don't know if you are uh, like me, but it is last-minute shopping time, and uh, that's when I do my shopping. And so are you ready? Are there cookies to bake? Is there a house to clean, presents to wrap? Uh, because it's coming whether we're ready or not. Christmas is an exciting time. And uh, I asked that question because I want to ask, I ask that question if you're ready, because uh, I want to ask a uh, follow-up question, and that is this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? As if I have any room to talk, right? But what are you waiting for? And uh, in my house, we got two young kids, and so Christmas is a waiting game. Is today the day, Dad? Can we open presents yet? Uh, Christmas is a waiting game. But in many ways, life is a waiting game. And I say this in a spiritual way because I want us to think about your life. What are you waiting for? Spiritually speaking, what I'm asking is, what are you living for? You know, we live for the things that are most important. We wait for the things that are most important, I, I meant to say. We wait for the things that are most important. If things are frivolous, we let them go. But if things are really important, we're, we're willing to put in time and to uh, seek after and to, and to wait. There is a spiritual kind of waiting in the Bible Waiting is focusing your life on what is most important. It is uh, drawing our attention to the things that will last forever. And so the Bible talks about waiting upon the Lord. And this is what we're going to look at this morning, waiting upon the Lord. Waiting is active. It is not passive. Waiting means that we are intentionally seeking after those things that are valuable, those things that are more, most important, waiting shows dependence upon the Lord. Waiting means that we can't do it in ourselves, and so we turn to God and say, God, we need you, we wait upon you. It is showing dependence upon the Lord, and waiting is worth it. We wait for those things that have most value to us. And so this morning, so this morning we're going to focus in on the Christmas story around this theme of waiting. What are you waiting for? And my hope is that as we look at the Christmas story from this perspective, that God would remind us again what is most important. What are we living for? What are we waiting for? What are we setting our hearts and our minds and our lives on? What are we waiting for? As I was preparing for this this sermon this morning, I was reading through the Christmas story, and I got to one of those minor characters if this was a, a movie and the credits were rolling at the end, he'd be like extra guy number three in opening scene. He's one of these guys that doesn't get a lot of attention. But here his name is, just for a moment, Simeon. Simeon is a person in the Christmas story that's not one of the main characters. The main characters are obviously Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the wise men. Even the cattle and the donkeys get more attention than Simeon does. But here is Simeon, and he jumps out at us because he's the one person in all of the Christmas story who is actually waiting for the Lord. Everybody else has to be shaken up from their daily activities. 
An angel has to appear to Mary and to Joseph and and to the shepherds. A star has to appear in the sky for the Magi. But here is one person that is actually looking for Jesus. The Bible is going to tell us that Simeon, every day he goes into the temple and he's looking around. Could that child be the one? No, that's not him. Could that child? And then eventually, one day, the Holy Spirit impresses it upon his heart to say, there he is, that's the one. And the Bible says that uh, Simeon has for so many years been waiting for this child. In other words, his life has been focused on it. He's been looking for it. There's been, a, uh, there's been an attention that he has given to wanting this uh, Savior to come, this child to come, because he would bring, as it says here in the text, the consolation of Israel. In other words, the salvation to the world. So let's read the passage together. The passage is Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 32. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Mary and jo- Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. The law of the Lord actually gave the uh, actually asked for a lamb to be sacrificed, but, but for families that were mer- very poor, there was a provision: two young, uh, two doves, or two young pigeons. A pigeon would have sold, been sold for like a penny. Mary and Joseph had no more than two pennies, but here they are in the temple. Verse twenty-five, and there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law, what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you can almost sense the joy in, in Simeon's words here, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and, glory of, and the glory of your people Israel. Let's take a moment and just ask for God's help as we look at this text together. Father God, I pray that you would come and you would speak to our hearts. God, I don't know if this is a very Christmassy message or not, but I believe that this is your word for us today, and I pray that you would impress it upon our hearts. Help us to hear from you. Help us to have eyes to see, just as Simeon went into the temple every day looking for the Messiah. God, may you just give us eyes to see and help us to see what you would have for us. Help us to have ears to hear what you would have for us. And may you uh, build us up by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And we commit this sermon to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Surely this is the strangest baby dedication in the history of the world. Can you imagine the scene? It's, it's kind of a crazy one. It's Simeon, we assume, is an old man. He talks about how he's going to, he can now be dismissed in peace. Uh, if uh, You get a picture that Simeon is this, this uh, old man who comes in. He's looking around at all the babies. If you've got an old man that goes to the same place every day looking at all the babies, chances are you're a little leery of this guy, right? But here he is looking at all the babies, and he comes up and he approaches Mary, and he says, can I hold your baby? And he takes uh, the child up into uh, his arms, and then he begins to proclaim all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of really wonderful things, but things that surely would have struck many people to their ears. They're like, wow, this is amazing stuff. Jesus would have been only 40 days old at that time. The sacrifice for purification would have been given, uh, it was commanded for the parents to go when after, after 40 days uh, after childbirth. And so here are Mary and Joseph to offer a sacrifice. Now in Jewish custom, in the law, anything related to blood was considered to be unclean. But it wasn't just the physical blood. They offered a sacrifice for spiritual reasons. If it was just physical, a shower would have done, right? But here is a sacrifice of an animal. A sacrifice of an animal in, uh, in biblical times, we, we know uh, full well from the whole course of Scripture, was meant, to be a, a, was meant for the purification of sins. Now, now we hear this, and it sounds strange to our ears. When we hold a little child in our arms, uh, chances are the idea of sin does not come to your mind. The baby seems so innocent. But, we, but as Mary and Joseph approach the temple courts and they go before the priest, it is the idea that they have brought something impure into this world. Every child that is born is born with the potential and actually the certainty now of sinning one day against God. Now we know this baby Jesus was born and he never sinned. But was it possible for Jesus to sin? Well, he did have a divine nature and, uh, and he would not go against his own nature. But he was tempted in every way just as we are. In fact, if we think that Jesus was without sin because it was easy for him, we are badly mistaken. Uh, to resist temptation and sin is obviously very difficult. Every one of us has given into it. And with the, give, and with the sacrifice of these two uh, pigeons, these two cheap animals that was, a, that was permitted by the law for poor families, we have a pointer towards why Jesus really came. See, the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us before the holiness of God stand uh, guilty. And Jesus came into this world to ultimately be a sacrifice for sin. That is why he has come. And it seems that Simeon is the one who gets it. Simeon is the one who takes him up into his arms and he begins to proclaim the salvation of the Lord. I want us to look at three things about Christmas according to Simeon. The first is that it is a proclamation of God's salvation. It is a proclamation of God's salvation. That's what Christmas is really all about. 
It is about uh, God's salvation. As it says here in verses 30 through 32, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. When Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, he was surely speaking Hebrew. He's a good old Hebrew man that spends his days in the temple. Uh, He spoke the language of the Hebrews, of uh, the Hebrew language. And the word for salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. And I don't even think uh, Simeon knew Jesus' name, but uh, but he says his name. He says, for my eyes have seen your Yeshua. Jesus literally means salvation. And we need to know that. Salvation ultimately is not found in ritual or coming to church every week or doing all the right things or or doing exactly what the Bible says. All those things are good. Salvation is found in a person. Jesus is salvation. And so uh, when we proclaim God's salvation, we are proclaiming the person of Jesus. Some of you this morning, you may have come into this room and you know the basics of, you know the tenets of Christianity and you know what it's kind of all about. It doesn't matter how much you know. What matters is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's what salvation is all about. It is about a person. That's why Jesus has ultimately come into this world so that our sins can be forgiven and that we can have a relationship with our Creator through our Savior, Jesus. And so, the, uh, J- and so Simeon says, My eyes have seen your salvation in the, per- in the person of this little baby that I hold in my arms, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now Jesus is a light. In other words, he illuminates what God is doing in this world. He brings it to light. He helps us to see uh, who He is, and He helps us to see the plan of salvation, the way to God, which is through His death on the cross. And so it is a light for revelation. It reveals to us what God is doing in the world. And He also says that Jesus is the glory of your people Israel. See, Israel had a long history with God. They had been given all of these promises through the years uh, of God's coming in, God going to set things right, God going to, that God was going to uh, make injustices uh, just, just, and he was going to forgive sins, and they had all of these promises. And now the glory of Israel, in other words, the pride and joy of all of uh, what Israel was hoping for, was, had come in, a, in the person of Jesus. And God's people would be overjoyed. Not just the Israel, Israelites, but the Gentiles as well, those who are not uh, Israel. And that's us, the large majority of us. I don't know if we have any Jewish people here by ethnicity, but... The large majority of us are Gentiles. This is our joy as well, that God has sent his Son into this world so that we could, uh, we can have the forgiveness of sins. Simeon had been waiting for this for a long time. In fact, if we assume that he is an old man, he was probably there when, when Jerusalem was first taken captive by, by the Romans. 
It happened in 63 BC when General Pompeo uh, surrounded the city and destroyed much of it and killed many of its inhabitants. But Simeon must have survived and uh, And since that day, he had been looking forward to God coming and to making all things right. And so what it says here in verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And how many of us want to be righteous and devout? How many of us want to be able to stand before God? And that's how we are described that that we live uh, lives that are devoted to the Lord, that are righteous before God. And this, is how, and this is what he did as a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, consolation means comfort. He was waiting for Israel to be comforted. When you look around the world uh, that we live in, are you sometimes discouraged is there sometimes stuff that happens that you wonder, like, why is it that that happens? And we look at those that are living apart from God, and, and we become discouraged our, ourselves. And we think, oh, man, if they could just come to know Jesus, that's what we really long for. That's the consolation of our hearts would be that God would come and he would set all things right. And it happens in the person of Jesus. Now, we recognize that we are in this middle ground. We are waiting for Jesus' second coming in which all things will be made right once and for all. And heaven and earth will be joined together and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And we live in this time. But it doesn't diminish the hope that we have right now. Jesus has come to set all things right. And that is why we proclaim God's salvation. We proclaim the person of Jesus. Christmas, according to Simeon, is a proclamation of God's salvation. It is also an evaluation of what's really important. I get that from verse 29. It says, Simeon says, Now you may dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, everything that's really important, it's all taken care of. I'm ready to go home now, Lord. You can dismiss uh, your servant in peace. What I've been living for, what's really important, that's been taken care of. I went around this week and I asked about a dozen people in our church this exact question. What would it need to happen for you to be able to die in peace? I was so struck by Simeon's words that you may now dismiss your servant in peace that I went around and I asked people, what would would need to happen in your life for you to be able to uh, die in peace? Now, I preface that question very carefully especially to our older members. So I didn't want anyone to think, hey, I, hey I'm warning you here. You're, on your, in, you're in your last days. That was not my intent. I just wanted to hear what's really important in people's hearts. Because this is not an age-specific uh, question, obviously. What we're asking is, what would it take for us to be able to go and to be in, uh, in heaven with God and to be at peace with what we left behind on this earth. And the number one answer, you can probably guess it, the number one answer was that those that I know and care about would know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And I can resonate with that. If I was to be able to, if today was my last day on this earth and I had the confidence that I would one day see my son and daughter in heaven. 
Like that would give me tremendous peace. There are many that I uh, want to know, uh, that I want them to know Jesus as their Savior. If I had their, that assurance that those that I know and love the most I would one day see in heaven with me, if I knew that they were saved, then, then I would have peace within my heart. You see, that's what life is really about. It is about living uh, our lives in light of the gospel message and telling others about Jesus. Now, we know that in our heads, right? Every one of us who is saved would know that in our minds, but how many of us don't actually live that way? How many days and weeks and then months pile up upon each other uh, between us telling anybody about how they can be saved? You see, we need to take uh, Simeon's challenge and we need to ask ourselves evaluate our lives and to see, are we really living for what is most important? I think Christmas, according to Simeon, has a challenge here. It is a challenge to uh, look at the realities of our lives and see, are we really living the way that God wants us to live? Are we living to share the good news of God's salvation with others? Or are we be, have we become far too apathetic in that? You know, this afternoon, uh, we're going to go down to Chelsea's family's uh, for Christmas. And uh, Chelsea was going to make a um, birthday cake for Jesus. You know, she made one for her Sunday school class over here today. And then uh, she was going to make one for all the cousins and all the kids. A birthday cake for Jesus so they could sing happy birthday to Jesus and blow out the candles and, re- and help teach the kids of what Christmas is really about, that Jesus was born. And uh, one of her aunts told her, don't make a birthday cake for Jesus because there's people there that don't know Jesus. And I'll be honest, that, person's, that person is a Christian. And to me, that breaks my heart because it shows where so many of us, and, I, and I'm speaking to myself, not that, I, not that I have the passion to share the gospel that I should. I pray that God would help us, but it speaks to, help me, but it speaks to so many of us. Are we living for what's really important? One day we will lay our head in, uh, to rest from this earth. And when we uh, come to before God in heaven, will we have really lived our lives for what is most important? And that is to offer others the gift of salvation. We get so caught up with gifts around Christmas that we forget about the greatest gift, the gift of, uh, of God's Son. Here is Simeon who seems to get it. He's looking for God's salvation. Simeon, as we said, is probably an old man. And think of an old man with, in Jewish culture in that day, uh, the Jews did not cut their beards. You know, they let their facial hair grow out. Here's an old man with a long white beard. Seems to be a jolly fellow with a kid in his arms. Who do you think we're describing? It sounds awfully like Santa Claus, right? An old man with a white beard. I came across a picture. This, I think this is by Rembrandt in the Renaissance period. There's a painting of Simeon. Does that not kind of look like uh, Santa Claus to you? I, th- I, I guess I find that kind of ironic, that Simeon probably looked a lot like our, uh, our legend of Santa Claus. Now, Santa Claus is a legend. I mean, he's become a legend. But he was an actual person. 
The uh, story goes all the way back to the third century. A pastor by the name, whose name was Nicholas, would give out presents to the little kids. He lived in, uh, in Myra, which is modern-day Turkey, and he'd give out presents to the little kids to tell them about Jesus' love to them. And that's how the legend of Santa Claus has uh, got started through the years, this old Saint Nick, giving out presents to the kids. But here is Simeon who recognizes that the real greatest gift that could be given to someone is the good news of God's salvation. And so this leads us to our third point. Christmas, according to Simeon, is an obligation to share God's love with others. Simeon describes God's salvation here as a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. You know, every Sunday throughout the uh, Advent season, we have been lighting these candles, right? And uh, there's something about light that we oftentimes associate with Christmas. And on, uh, Christmas, in our Christmas Eve service on Tuesday night, we will take and we'll light this middle candle, which we call the Christ candle. And uh, after all of the Advent candles have been lit, we will then take the center candle and we will go out. This is weather permitting. I know it's supposed to rain Tuesday night, so, but this is our tradition. We may have to alter it this year, but our tradition is to go out to the street and, we, and from the Christ candle, the light spreads till every person has an individual candle. And the reason we do it out here on the street is because there's cars passing by. It's symbolic that we have the light of Jesus now in our own hands, a light to share with others. Now, obviously, I, you never know how the Holy Spirit works, but chances are no one's going to get saved by seeing the uh, lit candles as they drive by, past our church on Tuesday night. But it's symbolic, and that is how we are to live our lives. We are to shine the light of the Christ candle, that Christ has come into this world. We are to take that light that is within us and spread it to others. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are, a, you are the light of the world. A town built on a, on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do uh, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. In other words, if we've got the gospel message, may we not keep it to ourselves. May we let it shine. Instead, they put it on its stand where it can give light to everyone in the, in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so if we have the light of salvation, it is our obligation, but really our joy to be able to share that with others. May we go out of our way to be able to share the good news of God's love with others. We take so much time to buy presents for our kids. Would it not be a shame if we don't uh, share the gospel with them? We go out of our way to send out Christmas cards to everyone that we know and love. Would it not be a shame if we don't also tell them about Jesus? We buy gifts for our coworkers, but do we tell them about what is most important in our lives? about the salvation that, Jesus, that is brought through Jesus' Christ, through Jesus coming to this earth. And so my question for us today is, what are you waiting for? 
In other words, what are you living for? What is most important? What are, what are you willing to fix your heart and your mind on, to be laser-focused on? If, if, it, if, if salvation is a light, or maybe we'd be laser-focused on that. I, uh, I, I know someone... I don't know him personally. You know, well, actually, you know Dave Ramsey? Does anybody listen to Dave Ramsey? Got a few people. Dave Ramsey's like this financial guru guy. And uh, he's on talk radio. And uh, he says if we want to attack debt, you've got to have gazelle intensity, right? What is gazelle intensity? Gazelle intensity is you've got to cheat on your tail. You're going to run as fast as you can in one direction. We, as, uh, with the gospel message in our hearts, we ought to have gazelle intensity. That's what our lives are all about. Praise the Lord for all the other things of Christmas, but this is what Christmas is all about. In fact, this is what our whole lives are about. May God burden our hearts, may he stir within us to actually live for what is most important. And so that is not meant to be a joy kill or a burden. That's not meant to be a guilt trip. That's meant to uh, fill our hearts with such joy because we recognize we have the greatest gift that has ever uh, been offered to the world. It's able to be passed on to those that we know and love so that we can have peace within our hearts, that we have lived the life that God wants us to live. This is our application for today, to live, to share the message of God's salvation with others. I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. I hope that you are able to uh, eat a lot of good food, open some presents, all of the blessings, but I hope that most importantly that you are able just to give thanks to God for the salvation that he's given us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what we celebrate at Christmas. And I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. And I pray that you would help us to be able to focus our hearts and our lives on uh, what is most important. Burden our hearts if it's needed to be able to share the gospel with others. And may we be willing and bold and with joy, with a winsome spirit, be able to tell others about how much God loves them. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.